0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. Um, I'm your host, Philip Mako. I'm here today by myself and for very good reason. Uh, my co-host, Jason, his wife has been deployed uh, seven, eight months, maybe even longer, and came home this week. So uh, join me in you know, congratulating them for the chance to be back together as a family. And uh, Jason, I hope you're having fun. Uh, enjoy the day, man, and we'll connect with you next week. Um, so listen, I host a meetup group and, um, two of the members, um, of my group, uh, currently hold down full-time positions and they have side businesses. Um, and you know, hearing their reasons for developing these side businesses got me to thinking that it might be a good topic for today's session. So we're going to talk about the different structures of potential entrepreneurial ventures. Um, but before we get into that, I think it's important first Uh, to step back and think about why we would be considering, um, you know, a venture of our own. Uh, Our organization, I'm with the entrepreneur source as is Jason. And we do regular internal surveys as well as reference external surveys. And what we've consistently found is about 70% of Americans have a strong desire to be self-sufficient. And that, you know, that number is a pretty big one. And that was pre COVID. Now, you know, sad to recognize the fact that 36 to 40 million uh, Americans are temporarily and some potentially permanently displaced, that's gotten more people thinking about, you know, um, what's out there in the entrepreneurial world. And I think that's a good question to ask yourself. And education, awareness, and discovery is really the key, three key concepts to keep in mind. There's a lot to learn and a lot of different directions to go, but it really has to start with us. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, saying like, hey, I can't find work, so maybe I'll start my own company, or I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. These are good reasons, but they don't address what we're hoping to accomplish. If we're not careful, and if we don't ask ourselves first some meaningful questions, um, we run the risk of using today 's situation to make a future decision, so it 's important to have a longer view for what we 're attempting to accomplish um, and grab a piece of paper and a pen and i 'll walk you through an exercise to help you do that ready <laughs> um, you know first look um, our minds are wired to focus on the things that threaten our survival and Therefore, sometimes we have these 2 a.m. kinds of thoughts, and they can can be around job security, right, or financial security. Um, It's really the dangers that we feel we may be facing, and sometimes they wake us up in the middle of the night and we think about them. Sometimes they play in the back of our head. It's really important to give them a name and to bring them out to the forefront and shine a light on them. Um, So in one of three columns, it's important to list out the dangers that potentially you see yourself facing. And again, whether they be long-term employability related to age, whether they be wealth and equity kinds of things and concerns about uh, how those are performing and perhaps declining, um, whatever those dangers are, it's important to perform them as a baseline because they're going to inform what you are working towards mitigating, right? Um, so that 's column one, thinking about the dangers um, sometimes, because our mind wires us to protect ourselves first, we may not be considering the opportunities in front of us, and what is it we 're looking to accomplish if we were to move into something of our own? Do we want to give back to the community? Do we want a better lifestyle, more time with our family? Is it really only a wealth and equity build, or is it a combination of those things um, so When you think about why you got into the business or why you'd want to get into a business, what are those opportunities? My uh, meetup group members, interestingly enough, each of them mentioned extra money, but what they really wanted to do was better serve a market they both understood. One was in the teaching space and providing better educational resources to students was really the thing that brought reward from her. Sure, the money came along with it, but she was doing something she was passionate about. Um, The other gentleman is in the IT world and coming up with a better serving solution to the outside market than what he had seen available was really his driver. He liked the idea of extra money, but he was serving a need in the marketplace. And when we think about opportunities, if that's the motivator and driver, if it transcends money and gets into purpose... Well, then you really have something potentially to work with in terms of um, doing something on your own. Uh, Another thing you may not think about, and you should, is your strengths. You know, do you have a strong peer community? Are you networked within, uh, you know, your community, the town you live in? Will people support you in this? Um, What's your work ethic like? Uh, Are you adaptable to change? Do you have strong transferable skills? And so I think putting these three lists together enable you to answer probably the most important question before you start thinking about which direction to go uh, with regards to potentially exploring entrepreneurship. And that question is, what does life need to look like a year from now, both personally and professionally, for you to be happy with your progress? Uh, Again, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, um, there's always a danger of what we call stepping on the treadmill. Uh, taking the next opportunity, not because it gets us where we want to go, but it keeps us where we need to be today. And we run the risk of stepping on that treadmill, running very fast and never getting ahead. And when you're in a place of considering a career change, um, whatever brought you to that crossroad, It's a good chance to think more long-term, start with a blank canvas, draw out the ideal sets of circumstances you may consider, and why not go for those? (laughs) So, um, That's a great exercise to start with. Um, Now let's talk about uh, the various business models and ways to consider entrepreneurship. And there are some new ones, right? Um, Certainly the gig economy is one direction folks have explored. Um, gives you the opportunity in those times when you're not working the quote unquote traditional day job to leverage some of your additional time. Now, if your goal in entrepreneurship is simply to improve cash flow, maybe you want to pay down some debt or have extra money towards a vacation, and that's really all you're looking for from a business, it might make sense to explore the gig economy, right? And that takes the shape of, you know, immediately what comes to mind, right? Uber, Lyft, driver, those types of things. Um, The downside is you're trading hours for dollars. And as long as you're going into it for reasons of extra money um, and not building wealth and equity beyond that, not a bad thing to consider. Um, A second one that has emerged for a lot of different reasons is the fractional workspace. And let's take the Upwork community specifically. Um, Here there's an opportunity to develop your own client base for individual project kinds of consulting. Whether you're an expert marketer or you're in computer engineering, perhaps you're a sales consultant, a leadership consultant, uh, folks will post opportunities for fractional work. Sometimes they're short-term projects, sometimes they're longer-term kinds of projects, Um, But you have the ability, if you've considered starting your own independent business, uh, personal services business, um, and you don't yet have a robust Rolodex of potential clients to call, working on a site like Upwork gives you the ability to start to build your client portfolio such that it ramps up to a full-time sustaining opportunity. If you have the hours to trade and you have the level of expertise, uh, it's a smart play to consider that type of thing. Um conversely, you may want to jump in with both feet, right? And uh startup entrepreneurship is uh compelling and exciting and you know also nail biting. Um we've all seen the uh statistics with regard to why startups fail. And let's drill into some of the reasons why. Um people do tend to start companies based on their individual expertise. Um I use the analogy with my clients. Margin Max make a great chili so Margin Max open up Margin Max's chili restaurant. And because they make great chili, they're back there in the kitchen every day just creating a quality product. And that's fantastic. That's the core of the business. But what potentially aren't they doing? Are they training their staff and developing a management team? Are they pricing in a way that's profitable for the organization? Are they managing inventory? Are they aware of labor laws and health and safety laws um, and managing according to those? Are they aware of the competitive landscape? Do they have a strategy for marketing, retaining clients, bringing new clients in? What are they going to do when a fast food restaurant opens across the street from them? Do they have a plan for that? Um, Much of the reason why startup businesses fail and uh, David Gerber's book, uh, The E-Myth, Is a fantastic one if you haven't read it. But he talks about the reason for failure being working in the business and not on the business. And oftentimes that's a function of undercapitalization. And sometimes it's a function of opening a business around your expertise. And sometimes it's a combination of both. Um, But if you think about it, margin max, because they make a great chili, why hire a chef? Instead, we'll go back and do that part of it and we'll save that labor. But all the things that we talked about that they should be doing in addition to that sometimes get sacrificed because they're saving those payroll dollars because perhaps they're undercapitalized. Um, So that, I think, attributes to why you see such high fail rates in startup businesses. Um, it's also traditionally difficult to get funding for startups. You need to have a business plan. You need to be able to prove your expertise. You need to be able to prove that you can sustain yourself without money from the business for however long it takes to ramp that up. And because there's many people wanting to start businesses, uh, banks can be somewhat selective in who they lend to. Um, so while there's some upsides, complete freedom, you know, to explore an idea, if you have the time to develop a startup. You know, three to five years to get it up running, established brand recognition and all those types of things. And you have the wherewithal to hire the right staff and sustain yourself along the way. Well, that's an interesting and compelling value proposition to consider. Um, certainly the last that you can explore is in the franchise brand space. Um, and that's the space Jason and I work in. One of the reasons, one of the several reasons that Um, this becomes compelling is oftentimes folks we work with are in uh, the more mature phases of their career. Think about folks 40 and 50 and et cetera. They may not have the interest to develop something from scratch. Um, So buying into a proven system that has marketing established processes, proprietary systems, uh, and ongoing support and training gives them the ability to learn that system. And because there's a system in place, they don't have to be experts in that field. Unlike the job market where if you're an engineer, engineering roles become available to you, but stepping outside of that to a marketing company may be difficult. Um, In the world of franchising, they'll teach you the business. What they want are core skills. Um, So that becomes attractive to folks. Now, unlike fractional work and upwork and the gig economy and, even startups can be inexpensive to get going over time, there can be ex- significant expenses uh, associated with keeping the business alive till it becomes profitable uh, there's more of an upfront portion involved in franchise uh, franchising, and the things to consider are for that initial investment into a franchise brand, are you getting something significant in return, something that you couldn't create on your own um, you know for a a less investment portfolio. Um, and there's ways to weigh that out. What we do like about, um, franchise systems as well is they are measurable. Um, folks are doing this business. Uh, you have the opportunity to meet and talk with them and learn from them how they're performing. Um, so, you know, from a, uh, predictable revenue perspective, you can form your own, uh, impressions on how that brand might grow and what potential it has. Um, But back to my friends at the meetup group. So one of the things that we identified between the two of them is the importance of a repeatable system that does not require you personally to do it. And if you're thinking about, number one, supplementing your income, and number two, potentially diversifying your portfolio, then a quote-unquote side hustle may make sense. In the franchise world, that's called semi-absentee. In the startup world, you know, it's a side business, right? But the danger that you run into is if it requires you to keep the business rolling, it's kind of like pushing a boulder uphill. The minute you stop pushing, it's going to roll backwards. Um, So if you're thinking about developing a a side kind of a business um, and keeping your quote-unquote day job, and this is a startup opportunity – From the very start, think about building systems and processes that are replicatable without your immediate attention, because that allows the business to sustain itself, even if you're not directly doing it. Um, And that was one important takeaway. Now, in a franchise system, those that offer semi-absentee kinds of models do have that kind of structure. Uh, There's typically a person in the day-to-day involvement of the business um, that manages those kinds of things. And... The opportunity is to manage the manager, manage the financials, um, and be the face of the organization. So more of an executive model kind of thing. Um, But that's what I wanted to share with all of you today. And I hope that there were some good takeaways from this. Um, But again, thinking about the entrepreneurial path, I think, is something we should always do. We should always keep ourselves open to possibilities. Um, In today's world, post-COVID, there's going to be a new normal Uh, Certainly, some industries have been affected negatively and perhaps short or long-term, thinking travel, hospitality, entertainment. But there are some emerging trends. In-home healthcare, virtual-based businesses, um, uh, virus mitigation. You know, people are doing a lot of home improvement projects. So home decor, home improvement uh, concepts uh, are seeing some significant growth. And these are all things to consider. Um, But until you stop and really think about what it is you're attempting to accomplish and why you might want to explore this path, then you're limited by today's thinking and you don't want to do that. So again, hopefully this was a helpful session. And if you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear it. Have a great rest of the day and weekend and we'll see you again next Friday.